Hey, welcome back to another Congregation 5 podcast. I am Matt Avery, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Shelby Walker. Shelby, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Shelby, will you tell all of these good people a little bit about you? Sure. Well, I have been in Nashville since 2008, which is pretty crazy. I was actually one of the first high schoolers that was in Midtown's youth group when it first started, when wow. Chad Fair was the director. That Many. feels a, a very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And now moved all the way into the role of youth director for middle school and high school. So Yeah. And uh, Shelby is a massive Harry Potter fan. Absolutely. Very Shelby, real. give us just give us a, like a taste of your Harry Potter fandom. Give us like maybe which book is your favorite and maybe a character that you really connect with. Oh my gosh, we talked about this the whole podcast. Um, I'm wearing Harry Potter socks right now. I feel like it's important for everyone to know. But that I feel <laughs> communicates the love. I think my favorite book is the fifth book. Hmm. And that, is that the Triwizard Tournament? So that's actually the book before. That's book four. four. Okay. Mm-hmm. The fifth book is The Order of the Phoenix. And oh, I really yes. like The Order of the Phoenix. A lot of people don't because Harry is very angsty. Okay. He's just, he's having an emotional time. Teen I don't want to like, everywhere. yeah, it's teen angst, but it's like fair because he's witnessed death in the previous book. It's a real, it's a real time. And I like love the angst. I love the emotion that he like experiences through the book. <laughs> and then Sirius Black is in it and he's absolutely my favorite character. I just, he's the best. I have his wand from Harry Potter world. Oh, it was gifted to me. It's my first one. I have four now, but it was my first mm. one. <laughs> uh, you never forget your first wand. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Shelby, really glad that you're here. Today, we are talking about freedom. What the Lord is doing in Congregation 5 is He is growing a community of people who are free people who are learning how to walk in their freedom. And something that Dave or Randy has said many times, probably both, is that free people free people. And also the opposite is true, that imprisoned people imprison people. And so in Christ, we are free people, and we want to learn how to use our freedom to free others. So if we are going to be a a church of free people learning how to walk in their freedom, what we really need, several things that we're going to talk about today. One, I need to claim my freedom. I need to know that I'm not a victim. My freedom is not tied to my circumstances, that I'm never a prisoner because I am free in Christ and that transcends my circumstances. Uh, We also need to learn how to access our freedom. And finally, how do we use our freedom? What is this freedom for? And so today we are going to be in Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 34, the amazing story of Paul and Silas. And I'm actually, I'm going to ask Shelby if she will read that for us. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him 
and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Thank you, Shelby. Amazing. That's an amazing story. It is. It is wild. When you hear that story, I feel like you just got to ask, who is imprisoned in this story? Mm. Because you see Paul and Silas are these physical prisoners, but they're not acting like prisoners. And then you have a man who's free and in charge, but he's not acting like he's free and in charge. And so a question for us is, when are we tempted to feel like a victim? When are we tempted to feel like we're, we're in prison and, and a victim to our circumstances? I think the circumstance thing is a big part of the story. We, we don't see him as the jailer really like display his imprisonedness until the circumstance shifts. Paul and Silas, they're singing, the foundations break, the doors open, and he thinks he's failed. So circumstance has all shifted. That brings him into a place of feeling very imprisoned. I think that's where we see his imprisonment on display, really. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Shelby, because you have this man, this jailer, whose life literally hangs on his success. And so you just imagine the low-level, constant fear and anxiety that pervades his life. Mm-hmm. And you know this story can feel far away, but when we think about it like that, that you have people whose whole life is tied up in their circumstances and the fear of their circumstances changing. And, you know, this man very likely would have, the reason he was going to kill himself when he thought all the prisoners had escaped was because he very well probably was going to be put to death when the people who were in authority over him came and found that he had let all the prisoners go. Mm-hmm. And so even this man who's in a position of relative power is still enslaved. He is not free. But for us, uh, for Paul and Silas and and for us in Christ, Christ has set us free and Christ had set Paul and Silas free. And you can see these men walking in that freedom. And a question that we have to ask ourselves is, when are we tempted to feel like victims? When are we tempted to feel like we're imprisoned to circumstances that are outside of our control. What does that look like for you, Shelby? It feels like a very like pertinent question. I mean, it makes me think of quarantine mm. and just the very present circumstances that we all find ourselves in in different ways. But I have definitely had a couple times throughout these eight weeks of quarantine. I count. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keeping marks on the prison cell yeah, for every day. it feels like that a little bit. No, there have been so many times where I've had to like really check my heart and like my words and my thoughts because I, I go into this space of like, okay, well, these circumstances have been, you know, like everything's been ripped out from under me and mm. we're in these very different circumstances. And it is very easy for me, I think, in this space to catalog what I have lost or what's been taken away from me in this season. Mm-hmm. And I think those are some of the thoughts or the words or the kind of the heart posture that leads me into like a victim mentality that it's like, well, I'm just stuck in my home for an unforeseeable time and everything is just the worst. I'm you know? a prisoner under house arrest. Yeah. Yeah. There have been times where I've actually said that where I like act like I am. And then the Lord just being like, sis, that's not real. Like you're not, mm. you're not 
imprisoned. Like circumstances are absolutely difficult, but you're not a victim to these circumstances. You don't have to be. Shelby, let's take it a step deeper and ask ourselves this question. When you are feeling like a victim, how does that change the way that you relate to God? Because I know for me, it puts me in a place where I feel like God is not keeping his promises to me and that he owes me something. And so I have this chip on my shoulder. I'm the orphan boy that he doesn't love and that he loves everybody else a little bit more than he loves me. And I can start to spiral down in this woe is me mentality mm. where it just colors the way that I see everything. It colors the way that I see God and and how I don't believe a lot of his promises, that he's always with me, that he's always working things for good, that he has a, a purpose in everything that he's doing. And I, I feel distant from him. It makes me want to pull away from him. And it reveals my entitlement because when I feel a hardness and heart toward the Lord for my circumstances changing, it reveals that I actually believe that he owes me something. He owes me things going the way that I think that they should go because I feel like I'm doing my part. And so I'm obligating him to (laughs) make my life go a certain way and make sure that my circumstances go a certain way. That's so good. Hearing you say that makes me think of the prodigal son story that we've been studying this last week and the prison of self-rightness that the older brother finds himself in. Yes. In just studying that, I've, I've always resonated with the older brother, but I think specifically his his line where he looks at his father and says, I've been slaving for you for years. And just kind of adopting this posture, of, I'm a slave toward you. Like that's, yes. and I'm, I'm doing it right and, I, and you owe me. You, you should see me and you should give me everything that you gave the younger brother. I think hearing you say that and thinking about that story helps me to answer that question for me as well. As it's like, if I'm in my like victim, prisoner, slave mentality, then I have that kind of emotional outburst that the older brother has toward the father, toward the Lord. I have always done it right. And I have always tried so hard. And when circumstances are not how I want them to be, or they're very difficult, and I'm like, why in the world would you make me go through that? It becomes this self-entitlement. It becomes this like, I'm going to resent you for putting me through something difficult or not giving me what I want. I'm the victim. That's a very helpful way for me to kind of think about it. Yeah. And when I feel like a victim, it also changes the way that I relate to other people because now I'm living in a place where I think I need something from other people. I need them to come through for me. I need them to respond to me in a certain way. And when they don't, I write stories about them. I make judgments about them. I make judgments about myself. I must not be okay or good enough, or I I should feel shamed and condemned because if I was good enough, these people would be treating me differently and everything becomes about me. (laughs) And I think when we claim our freedom in Christ, everything becomes about Jesus. Mm. And that's actually what sets us free is to know that it's not all about me, that it's not all about how I feel about myself and my circumstances, but it's how Jesus has already told me and shown me that he feels about us. Mm. And so when we find ourselves living like victims, that moves us into our, our second point here is how do we access the freedom that we have in Christ? The freedom in Christ that is pervasive and overarching over our entire lives is always there. Nobody can touch it. Nobody can take it away. I can't. My circumstances can't. 
nothing can touch the freedom that we have in Christ, but we can live like we're not free. And so we have to know how to access that freedom that we have in Christ. And so these men here, Paul and Silas, how do we see them accessing that freedom in this passage, Shelby? We see it in verse 25 when it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners could hear them. I think one thing that is just very comforting for me is knowing that the two of them are together in their imprisonment and in their accessing their freedom. I don't know. There's something there that I think is really cool about the fact that it's not just Paul in the prison or just Silas in the prison, but they get to be together right? and spurring each other on to access freedom. So one thing I wonder about is if it's like we need each other to help yes. do that. We need each other to lift up our heads and our eyes when we're downcast and just seeing ourselves to say, you're not a prisoner. You yes. can actually be free. And I mean, we'll have to use our redeemed imaginations to think about what that conversation between Paul and Silas actually looked like in yeah. the prison. But I don't know. I like to think that they spurred each other on. Absolutely. How this might have been a different scenario had they been in prison by themselves. Yeah. Well, and also we could add to that the the prayer and the the worship. I think that that's a huge component of we know like worship scripture tells us reminds us of what our heart or what is true reminds our heart of what is true. And prayer brings us into like communion with God. So I think that those two pieces are massively important and have their own kind of mystery probably around them for the other prisoners to be hearing. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah, it's this reality that to be able to, to sing praises to God under any circumstances and to seek Him in prayer is both the result of freedom in Christ, that's mm-hmm. what happens when you're free in Christ, but it's also the pathway to freedom in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's the pathway to accessing that freedom because you're right. When I'm in a place where I'm worshiping, there's something powerful about singing what is true about God and what is true about me and hearing it sung over me from our my brothers and sisters. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Mann says that all the time, I feel like, on, on Sunday mornings where he's like, hey— you might not be in a place where you can like even sing out right now, but let others sing over you to remind you what's true. Yes. Or even if you don't feel like really feel it today, like maybe just try to speak the words, try to sing the words softly and like gently, like bring yourself to a place of remembering like, no, this is what's real despite what I'm feeling right now or despite my my difficulties or my circumstances. Yes. Because when we're singing, we are fighting for our hearts. Mm -hmm. We are fighting for each other's hearts to live in that freedom. And I want to talk about prayer because, Shelby, what do you think their prayers were like when they were praying in the prison? Because I could tell you when I'm feeling like a victim, what my prayers would have sounded like would have been, well, here I am in this place and you need to get me out in order for things to be okay. And I'm not really going to to trust you or follow you or celebrate you until you do something for me. Hmm. But I don't think they were praying like that, do you? No, I don't think that they're praying victim prayers. But again, redeemed imagination, I do like to think that maybe there was freedom for them to groan before the Lord, maybe. Yes. That they felt like there is space and that the Lord welcomes moments of like, Oh, Lord, help me. Yes. This is difficult. This is beyond my own power, my own strength. We are in prison. It was unjust. Like, can you just help our human hearts 
to see what you're actually doing in this. I think it's easy for me to look at a passage like this and be like, man, Paul and Silas are coming in clutch with just like <laughs> spiritual strength. <laughs> right. And maybe they got that strength by spending time with the Lord in praying and actually like processing through that. I know that's true for me, that some of the sweetest time of prayer is just coming before the Lord and just being like, help me. Yes. Like just, yeah, can you just sit with me and help me? And yeah, oftentimes that can lead to, I think, a different kind of prayer that's much more your will be done kind of prayers to the Lord, you know, like where it's like, I'm actually now going to be praying and talking with you and meditating on the larger picture of what you're doing. What is your will for me in this? How is your power going to be shown in this? Yeah, it's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's how David prays in the Psalms and it reminds me of Philippians 4, where there's a, a way in which we enter in with where we really are. God wants to hear where we are. He wants to hear our hearts. And that's an invitation to come to him and seek him in those places, but that's not where we stay. It makes me think about Philippians 4, where it says to come with our prayers with thanksgiving to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's this simultaneous, here's where I am, here's what I feel like, Lord, here's what I'm asking, but also here's what I know is true about you. Here is your goodness, and here are your promises to me, and here is your love for me, and I'm holding those things in both hands. And so it allows me to have joy, it allows me to have hope, it allows me to rejoice and be free even when my circumstances feel like a prison. And I think that's so important. It's so important for me because Thanksgiving is like the gospel oxygen to an imprisoned, breathless body. I think even in this quarantine season, that's been a major thing to be thinking about, like, where are the spaces to meditate, to be praying, to be speaking out thankfulness of who the Lord is and what he has given me? Because that combats victim living, I feel like. That combats prison prison living. It does, because it speaks the truth. Mm -hmm. When we get into the victim prison living, that's this shrinking of our worlds to where we are the center and we've cropped God and his promises and his character out of the picture. And I'm just sitting in this little pit of how I feel under these circumstances right now. And that's slavery. Mm -hmm. But when we speak Thanksgiving and it's opening the windows, it's opening the doors and letting the fresh air of freedom back into our lives. Mm. And it's powerful. Something that we need to note here is that God works a miraculous physical freedom for all of these prisoners. As Paul and Silas are praying and praising God, it says the very foundations of the prison were shaken and all of the doors were open and all of the chains were broken. But that miraculous physical freedom paled in comparison to the freedom that Paul and Silas already had in Christ. And how do I know that? Because they didn't leave. Mm. <laughs> because when the chains came off and the doors opened, they stayed there. They were more concerned about the jailer not killing himself, and they wanted him to know the freedom that they knew more than they were concerned about getting out of the immediate suffering. And even the other prisoners did. Yes. Which I think is also crazy. It's like, it's not just Paul and Silas that stayed, but something happened in the hearts of those other prisoners hearing Paul and Silas pray and worship that made them stay as well, which is actually really remarkable when you think about that. Absolutely. And that's that's a great segue into our 
our last point here of how do we use our freedom, the freedom that we have, how do we use that freedom for others? Because what these prisoners were drawn to was the freedom that these men had in Christ. They witnessed the power of God, but they also witnessed these men who had been touched by the love of God and the power of God, and it was compelling. They needed to stick around and to see what was going to happen and to hear more from these men who obviously knew this God, who had just burst the bonds apart off of their arms and legs and bursted the prison doors off their hinges. They wanted to know this God. Suddenly, even for these prisoners who maybe didn't know God at all before, there was a freedom that was more compelling than the freedom of just getting loose and getting out of this prison cell. Yeah, how do we see Paul and Silas using their freedom? And here it's, again, it's that phrase, free people, free people. Um, They're sitting here with their bonds loose, and this unjust imprisonment is now over, and they don't run out. They are more concerned with the jailer not killing himself. And they say, don't harm yourself. We're still in here. They, they were worried about somebody else, even when their circumstances were really, really bleak, comparatively speaking. So Shelby, I want to ask you a question now. What has it been like for you to be around free people? People who, like Paul and Silas, are living out of their freedom in Christ. What's it like being around those people? How do you experience them? Yeah, I definitely in spending time with this passage, and I told you this earlier this week, Matt, that jailer is a character in the story that I feel like I can deeply resonate with. And I think particularly because of the moment he has with Paul and Silas, where they pursue him, they see him where he's at in a very dark time, dark moment, and say, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you don't have to be imprisoned. You don't have to harm yourself. And that just makes me think of moments in my life where I have experienced those kind of liberating voices where the Lord brought people in to my story at different points where they have kind of been that Paul or Silas voice to say, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. Like there's so much freedom for you in Christ that, yeah, you don't have to keep living like a victim. Mm -hmm. And I think on the whole, what I find is that those people, those free people, have kind of a a strange myst- like mystery about them in a way. I-, I I think that about Paul and Silas too. Like the prisoners must have been like, who are these guys? Like are they are they crazy? What are they, what's going on? Like how are they able to rise above circumstance in mm-hmm. this way? Like that feels so beyond just human. Shelby, if I can interject there, I was reading uh, a commentator on this passage, and he said something that I thought, oh, Lord, please make that true about me, and please make that true about all of our people at Congregation 5. He said that when the prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas here, they either thought that they were holy men or lunatics, but nobody could accuse them of being boring. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, yes, that, yes. That's what I want to be about. It's so good. Yes. And I, and I think that that's true. Like, I think about particular moments or stories where, you know, e- even in my own story where there have been two distinct times where I very, very much considered leaving ministry. And one of them being quite a while back, and, and it was, I was definitely sitting in a prison of, um, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm not good at this. I am failing at doing this in my own strength, so clearly something's wrong, and really considered it. And I remember um, 
having a conversation with Dave Burden. And he's been a, a liberating voice for a number of years for me. But him just saying like, hey, I want you to know that like I see you. You live like a prisoner. Like he like told me that. Mm. It was hard to hear, but it was such a gift. That wasn't fun to hear? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> I wasn't like, ooh. <laughs> no. Thank but, you. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, but I think it was one of the first times that someone looked at me and like, kind of like what Paul and Silas are doing here. Like, hey, man, no, it doesn't have to be what you've always thought it has to be like. And I think for me, that was a moment where it was like, oh, yeah, I it doesn't have to be where I'm always trying to prove that I'm valuable yeah. because of what I do. Well, and something in that, Shelby, is, again, going back to our our little mantra, free people, free people, and imprisoned people, imprisoned people. Mm. Free people work in our lives to remind us that one plus one doesn't always equal two, that it's not all ones and zeros, that if you live this way, you get this result. If you live this other way, you get that result. They actually talk about things like grace and mercy. Yeah. Even when I come in my sin and my shame and my failings to free people, they don't greet me with what I expect, which is a rightful condemnation based on my failings or my sin. Mm. They actually greet me with good news and freedom in Christ. Yes, that's absolutely so true. There's this deep, deep sense of how free they are so they can then extend that same kind of freedom to you to say, I know what it's like to be given grace. I know what it's like to be free. And that doesn't run out. And that's for you too. I think, yeah. yeah, free free people always are like that. And I think too, free people see people. Yes. I think that that's a big thing. And we see it in the story. I feel like I I, I see it in those moments that I'm I'm thinking of in my life where free people are able to see imprisoned people really, really well. Yes. And they're able to pursue them and kind of coax them out of yes. their imprisonment because they've gone through that same. They've been there. Yeah, exactly. They've been there. Yeah. And I love too what you said, even about the story about Dave speaking good and, and healing truth, but hard truth. There's a boldness with free people mm -hmm. because free people won't be imprisoned by imprisoned people. And so there's a boldness and a courage and a, a living out of faith that allows them to come into situations and speak difficult things because they don't live under the same fear of other people. And what are they going to think about me and how will they receive this? There's a freedom there as they're following Jesus into the situations and conversations and people's lives that he's leading them into that allows them to say, I, I love you, but you don't get to decide how I'm going to live because my king who set me free holds that role in my life. That's very true. And I love seeing the jailer here. I mean, he's a great picture of what free people do too and how free people use their freedom because after he is set free, Paul and Silas share the gospel with him. The Lord overwhelms him with his love and his power. And you see what he does even in these last few little verses. He does a lot. He loves Paul and Silas. He serves them. He heals them. He cares for them. He nourishes them. He frees them from their physical prison. And then maybe the most powerful thing that he does is he rejoices. Mm. And that is a mark that I pray is a mark on all of our lives collectively as Congregation 5 and as on my life personally as a son of God is that my life would be marked by rejoicing 
because only free people can rejoice. You can't rejoice when you're living out of fear and you can't rejoice when you're living in prison or living like a victim. But that's what we want to be about. Yeah, I love to see the jailer move from the beginning of the story where he is the one that fastens the chains onto Paul and Silas. He's the one that takes them into the prison. Mm. And then at the end, he's the one that takes them out of the prison and tends to their wounds. There's a servant heartedness in that. Yeah, there's a rejoy, like a rejoicing in getting to then be in community and getting to then celebrate with Paul and Silas and with his family. Like the whole end of it is so worshipful, Yes, honestly. Yeah. It is. And something else I want to say about how free people have impacted me in my life is they are deeply encouraging. And what I mean by encouraging is that they are literally giving me courage because it can be very scary to stand up to my own voices of condemnation and the voices of imprisoned people around me, whether that's family members or peers or coworkers or whoever it is. But there are so many voices of imprisoned people around me who are trying to put me in prison. It's so easy, especially when my heart is singing the same song, it's so easy for me to go right along with them and and allow them to put me in prison. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. And when I'm too weak to do it for myself, free people stand next to me with their arm around me and speak back to those voices and say, no, you're not going to imprison him because he's actually free. Mm. And uh, that is a very powerful way that the Lord has used free people in my life. When I want to step right back into the prison cell and live out of my own righteousness or lack thereof, and I'm surprised by my sin, and I'm surprised and overwhelmed by my failings. It is those brothers and sisters in Christ who are free, who have come and stood next to me and given me the courage to say, no, we're not going to let you put him back in prison today. Mm. He's free, and he and I are going to walk right out of here. And that's so good because that's so, that's so necessary in the life of a believer all the time. Like, I've, I've grown up in the church my whole life, and there can kind of sometimes be this voice in my mind that's not my own voice, and it's not the Lord, so it's definitely the enemy's, saying, why aren't you over this yet? Like, why are you still struggling with mm. this? Or why are you still, like, submitting to slavery sometimes? Or, like, why? What's wrong why with you? Why aren't you better? Exactly. And I think that the continual voice of free people is encouraging, and it's, like, it's hopeful, like, I think that's something that's been really encouraging to me is when voices like Dave, other voices in my life who have said, you're in process, remember that too. Like, there's grace for you to be in process with the Lord about even your freedom. Like, you're yes. you're being coaxed out into more and more freedom as you go on. And one of the things that I've, I loved that Dave said to me was, um, I'm so excited to see what you're going to be like in a year wow. or what you're going to be like in five years and just kind of casting vision for the fact that the Lord is like deeply interested in my freedom and he's yes. interested in me growing into that freedom more and more and more. And I need people to remind me of it. I can be blind to even how I'm changing and growing and being free. Yes, because imprisoning voices always bring judgment. And we actually already have a judgment. And the judgment is that Jesus has taken our sin and our shame and all of our failings, past, present, and future into himself, and they have been dealt with on the cross. And so the judgment that stands over us is that we are free in Christ. And we are actually on a journey of freedom 
with Jesus. And so these condemning voices want to pass judgment on us now in the present moment and make us think that we're either successes or failures. Um, but that is so far from the truth. The truth is this big, expansive arc over our entire lives that we are already free and we are being led by Jesus on this journey into realizing our freedom on a, a deeper level more and more and more every day of our lives until one day when we are united with him forever and eternity and we are enjoying that complete fullness of that freedom forever. Mm. That is where we're going as Congregation 5. We are people who want to learn to live and walk and extend that freedom uh, all the days of our lives to a, an ever-deepening degree. Makes me think of Galatians 5.1 that says, It is for freedom, my brothers, that Christ has set you free. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Mm. And like That's the journey. That's what like you're just talking about right there. Even though it feels like there's an obvious answer, we need to go back and ask ourselves this question. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church do I want to be a part of? Do I want to be a part of a church where we are living by some kind of code and we need to keep up our appearances and and we are just constantly imprisoning each other and, and driving a deeper and deeper wedge between the freedom that we have in Christ and our ability to access that freedom? Or do we want to be a body of men and women and children who are constantly learning how to live ever deeper into the freedom that we already have in Christ and that we are pulling each other back out of the prison cells that we keep constantly trying to walk back into and say, no, 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 that's not who you are anymore. You're free now and you don't have to walk back into that prison. You can live like a free man or a free woman. And I think I can speak for all of us when I say, I want to be a part of a community of people who are learning how to live free. But in order for that to happen, I have to be open for the Lord to do deep and good and transformative work in my heart and be open to Him using my brothers and sisters to do that. Yeah, you saying that makes me think of one of the values that C5 has really been very communicative about, which is that we care about reaching lost people. And the concept of free people, free people is a very attractive, beautiful thing to lost people, as we see in the story of Paul and Silas and the jailer. Everything's happening between those three characters, but the prisoners are major characters in the story too, because they're being changed as well in witnessing it. And so just think about a congregation of people that is willing to be in process, that's willing to be vulnerable, that's willing to be bold toward one another and do all those things toward new people that are in the church. I mean, that's that's a pretty powerful picture of what a church could be like. Shelby, would you like to come plant a church with me? <laughs> yes. Hey, thank you for being here today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been a joy. I'm very thankful for you and for your friendship. And I'm, I'm going to pray for us that the Lord would do these things. Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you. Thank you for the freedom that is ours in Christ. Lord, thank you for brothers and sisters to walk through this life with to continually remind each other and walk with each other into that freedom. Lord, I pray that we would be a community who is, is learning ever more constantly how to live in and walk into and experience and share and extend this freedom to others, Lord, that you would grow a community where we are being transformed and you're using us in each other's lives and uh, that we would stand together in faith 
and in love and in the power uh, of your love for us and the freedom that you've bought for us. And uh, Lord, that it would transform our lives, but it would also transform the community around us, that we would be like Paul and Silas in this prison and that people would be set free because of the freedom that you've purchased for us. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Like you got-